Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective, brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we apply philosophy to everything. Current events, problems, whatever you may think wouldn't fall under the rubric of philosophy actually does, and we talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about campaign financing. You hear a lot of stuff out there in the establishment press about how we need to take money out of politics, money corrupts, money is the problem, yada, 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 yada. Well, of course, as objectivists, we have a very different perspective about this. And to help me unpack this very different perspective is my favorite co-host, James Valiant. James, how are you doing today? Super today, really, particularly well today. I've had all kinds of good news on many fronts. I hope life is treating you well as well. Uh, as well. Um, uh, despite the uh, uh, SAG strike going on, I hope you're, you're, you're still finding stuff to do that's worthwhile. Well, I am, and hopefully I remain injury-free, and so long as I'm injury-free, I'm happy. <laughs> Always better. <laughs> yeah, campaign finance, it's a really interesting subject because, of course, people don't get information automatically, and it takes material resources to deliver that information. And if you don't have the right to use those material resources to get the information, your free speech is being violated. Once more, we have a clear case where objectivism has such a distinctive answer because it realizes that you really can't distinguish economic and uh, liberties from civil liberties. They're one and the same issue. You, if you restrict my ability to spend resources on getting my ideas out there, you're restricting my freedom of speech. If you regulate megaphones and radio stations and every means of communication I have and how much I can spend and who, can, who I can raise that money from, you've restricted my civil liberty, my freedom of speech. You've imposed through the back door a kind of implicit censorship. So now, we need the freedom, the freedom to spend money on political campaigns is part of the First Amendment. Freedom of speech cannot be separated. And in this regard, both parties are absolutely wrong. Money, you see, they both hate money. It's grounded in Christian and socialist values. Money is the root of all evils, says the uh, New Testament. And so money, as we all know, is dirty, low and corrupt, the source of all corruption. Well, uh, well, of course, we don't live in a representative republic anymore. We live more in a spoil system democracy in a regulatory state, which sort of reminds me of being in a prison. In a prison, you gotta you gotta gang up with somebody to protect yourself. And in a regulatory state uh, or a spoil system democracy, whoever holds the levers of power um, is able to dole out privileges, is able to protect certain cronies, and is able to advance some interests over others. So it creates a system where people gang up, they form what's known as a lobby, and they use that lobby to influence uh, politicians who are selling their influence at a price, of course. Now, so the problem really isn't the fact that money is in politics, the pro and it doesn't corrupt the politics. The problem is the corrupt politics itself. And the fact that these people in a regulatory state have the power to control the property of others and the means of production, and in a spoil system democracy, have the privilege dispensing powers that they wouldn't have in a representative republic. Now, this is now I'm speaking for objectivists by saying this is our analysis. The real problem is a political fix. Uh, it's fixing the system itself. It's not it's not limiting the and restricting your ability to fund a candidate you think should represent you. 
Exactly right. And once again, it's the relationship between economic liberties, property rights, and <laughs> civil liberties. The left is had is convinced that the two can uh, uh, exist quite in sep separate dimensions. This is not true. It's the fact that government has the power to regulate economic things, regulate businesses, hand out favors, uh, enforce uh, antitrust laws, uh, regulations on you name it. Uh, and of course, the more control the government has allowed over the economy, the more life and death control they have over people's livelihoods, their business, their private lives. And therefore, people have more and more of an interest to, they. it's a, a, a matter of an urgency to them to have a lobby group in Washington representing their side, because these favors can be life or death to them. And so it's the power of government that causes the corruption. If the government didn't have the power to regulate voluntary, peaceful economic activities at all, this corruption would all be gone, of course. Corruption increases as the power of government increases. Now, is the solution to that to limit spending on campaigns? Of course not. That restricts people's ability to actually change that system. Um, you know, they say that these big, rich, big, fat money donors are going to dominate the system if uh, we don't have limitations on some kind. The exact opposite, of course, is true. Uh, look, uh, we have way more than 300 million people in the United States. Uh, 60, 70 million people vote for each side to be uh, president in the last uh, uh, presidential campaign. If only 50 million people gave $20, million, uh, $20, 20 bucks a piece, that's a billion dollars. Now, today, in the last couple of presidential campaigns, it takes about $1.4, $1.5 billion now to do a presidential campaign. But you can rate, but all it takes is a large enough constituency with small donations to raise the money that's required. So it is a total myth. If you can't organize into a uh, interest group, I don't care whether it's uh, the NAACP or the NRA, the, the gun rights people, if you can't get into an organization that promotes your ideas, your ideology, all the resources you want to it, and, and permit those organizations to take sides in a political campaign and to articulate their position, we have, in effect, a backdoor kind of censorship being imposed. Now, fortunately, 13 years ago, much to the distress of establishment politicians, especially on the left, the Supreme Court said you cannot restrict private campaign expenditures uh, uh, in a very important case about 13 years ago. Citizens United, and you'll often hear that case bandied about Citizens United as a source of all kinds of corruption. But, you know, if money controlled politics, if all it took was outspending your opponent, then Bloomberg would have won the Democratic nomination last time. If outspending yeah, your candidate would have. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to get into the reasons why it is uh, the left doesn't understand um, why they make distinctions between sort of civil liberties and uh, autonomy of your body and property. Like they don't understand the connection between the two of those. But I want to get to the Citizens United thing, because it seems to me that individual contributions are still limited. There is a cap on individual contributions, but then there, there's, there's been an industry that has been created called PACs, political action committees, which are, are essentially have a bottomless pit of funding and a in a in a an enormous resource for po political advertisement, which has created a very strange relationship between the, the political action committees and the media. 
who are now looking to political action committees for their primary sources of information. So now we've got this massive uh, organization that wields tremendous uh, monetary power and, and the ability to create narratives becoming a source for such news agencies, objective, quote unquote, news agencies as the AP. So essentially the AP is getting a democratic PAC, uh, political action talking point and using that as news. Now that to me seems to be a one of the corrupt children of these adjustments that people are trying to make to an entirely corrupt system. What say you to that? Am I wrong? No, I, I say amen and bingo. No, you got it. You know, back in the 70s, 80s and 90s, they passed all kinds of uh, laws regulating campaign uh, financing and expenditures. And uh, they said they not only said that the campaign itself could be regulated in terms of not only uh, the amount that people can donate that to them, uh, but they have to make these disclosures. They have certain rules on how they can spend that money, the campaign itself. But they went further than that. They said private organizations that were taking political stances, labor unions, corporations, advocacy groups like the NRA or the NAACP, they could be regulated in terms of how much they spend during a campaign. And Citizens United was a great move, but it didn't go far enough, as you point out. It permitted the continuation of regulations on the campaign itself. So my contribution to a specific candidate can be regulated. I have to, it can be limited, I have to disclose it, and how it's spent by the campaign can be regulated by the government. However, if I'm a private organization, and I'm not directly uh, contributing to the campaign proper, and I'm just buying commercials on my own. You know, I think that these gun control laws are nuts, let's say NRA says, and that's why we're supporting the Republican candidate, let's say. That is private expenditure that Citizens United says is protected. So you're right, what it's done is it's bifurcated the system. They should have no limits on individual contributions to uh, direct directly to campaigns. That itself creates this weird bifurcation that you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. So now we have these all-powerful political action committees where all the donations are being focused because those can't be limited by regulation. So all the political money is being focused into these PACs that are becoming super powerful vis-a-vis -vis even the campaigns so that the politicians, when they do get elected, pay obeisance to these political action committees above and beyond even their individual constituents who, if they had been free to donate to them, would have a voice. And so right. all of these restrictions are actually limiting democracy, limiting the voice of the people, and they're giving exaggerated power to some groups over others. Amen. Yes, and, brother. Might, and might I add that political operatives are, are the heads of these political action committees who have every interest in, in spinning news and spinning news cycles for their party. They are party hacks. Our founders feared you know, parties for a reason. They understood that people would become loyal to the party and advance the party's interests over the interests of the people and over representative Republican government. But I, I want to ask you this question. You sort of alluded to it by saying, you know, we get this, this idea of hatred for money um, and, and sort of the material world from Christianity. I remember talking to somebody from HRC, the Human Rights Council or whatever, was trying to sell me on on some uh, new crusade they were on, which I clearly violated property rights to me. And when I mentioned that to this young 20-something-year-old, she said, well, human rights and property rights are a separate matter. 
and I and and I I, I mic dropped in that moment, uh, and, and and told her they weren't, and she could not integrate the fact that human rights and property rights are inseparable. Now, what is it that stops the left, in particular, from understanding this integration, this all important integration? Ah, well, that's exactly it. It's a mind-body dichotomy, which is really governed each side. You know, if you look at the left, this Ayn Rand made this observation 60 years ago. If you look at each side, they've taken sort of us, each side has taken a different side on the mind-body question. What part of reality do you consider important? And the part they consider important is the one they want regulated, not free. So the spiritual moral issues are of great concern to the right. And so they want to regulate school prayer and moral conditions and things like abortion. The, our moral lives, our souls are what really concerns them. And so back in the day, they, the Republicans weren't the ones so afraid of censorship. They wanted you know, pornography to be censored. They wanted bad ideas to be censored. It was the conservatives who wanted censorship. And so they actually pitted property rights versus civil rights themselves because of their stance in effect on the mind-body question. On the left, no, 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 no. Consciousness is, to the modern scientific type, consciousness is really just a myth. <laughs> and so all we are is stomachs to the left that need to be fed. And since all they are is on the body side, the material side, what they want to regulate and control is the economy. And so this mind-body split is uh, really affects the way the left and the right look at it. But property rights and civil rights, I mean, it's really basic. The only alternative to individual property rights is slavery in one form or another. Any critique, and I'm going to say this in italics, underline it, and put three exclamation points behind it. The only option, the only option to individual property rights is some form of slavery, period, end of report. That's it's hard for the left to get because they only see ch slavery as chattel slavery. And if it doesn't exactly, uh, if it doesn't e exactly fall under that rubric, if you're not living in a mud hut with no clothing, being seen overseen by a, a massa, you are, are not in a state of slavery. Here's, here's an interesting question by Catherine for $1.99 that I want to throw by you because I think this is, this is, uh, 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 this is a necessary thing for us to deal with right now. Do you think there should be any cap or oversight? Now, can I just say first, I, I think I can answer for you and say, of course not. There should be none of that stuff. Um, uh, but living in the world that we do today, I mean, what, what can one do when, uh, when we live in, in a world where low-level civil war is basically promoted by the government, you have to organize into groups and pressure government for privileges. You, you, if to stand outside of that power metric is to actually not gain and to and to hurt harm yourself. So, what do we do? How, how? I mean, how do we get out of this? Well, naturally speaking, the business community should be our friends. Unfortunately, in reality, uh, business people have been acting as their own destroyers and uh, fulfilling Karl Marx's prediction that the capitalists would sell the very rope that the communists would use to hang them with. And unfortunately, businesses are more and more and more attempting to politically appease 
rather than, in fact, you know, if you think about it, in a free market, a business, all of the things being equal, would shut up about politics. They don't want to restrict their customer base. <laughs> they want everyone to use that. I don't care if Democrats use my toothpaste or Republicans. Use my, I'm selling as much toothpaste as possible. So the natural inclination would be to stay out of politics, or if more important, the natural inclination would be to protect the free market their profits, to get lower taxes and lower regulations. So if they had any correct understanding of their own actual long-term self-interest, that's what we should do. We should approach business people, wealthy people, try and convince them that their natural interests are in fact on the side of supporting free markets. Yes, we need to have our own lobby groups. In this world, it is unavoidable. We need to have our own pressure group involved in this pressure group warfare that we've been forced into. And we have, it seems to me, uh, a group of people who, if they were properly educated about philosophy, would be naturally on our side and a source of resources for us. Uh, individuals should be able to see the egoism of our position. So whether it's an individual or a corporation, we have a strong pitch to the interests of these people that should be working on our side. Uh, but again, it's a matter of ideas and getting those ideas through to people. Um, now, what can, to answer the question though, uh, what can be regulated in my mind? Nothing about contributions whether to the campaign or by to these groups. And actually nothing about expenditures either. No, the only thing that I would allow government to regulate and campaign is that the candidate himself disclose where his contributions come from. It is only disclosure requirements. Who is, who is, you know, uh, President Biden, did the Chinese give you tens of millions of dollars or something? You know, that kind of disclosure, knowing who is banking the candidate, I think is a perfectly reasonable one if they're the candidate themselves. And if it's only disclosure, not limits on the raising of money or the spending of money. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Of course, you want to make sure that foreign actors who are hostile to, to us aren't, aren't funding a candidate who is actually one of their cronies or, or one of their operatives. Um, but I was going to ask you something with respect to the, you know, the, the, the current embrace by a lot of the tech industry and many industries in general of woke ideology. It seems like, okay, they're, they're certainly not appeasing uh, the woke who are a very small minority of the people and, and a lot of the, you know, social metaphysicians and, and folks who really, who need praise from these loud mouths. Um, they seem to probably, you think, you think they're appeasing government because they know which side their bread is really buttered on and the, and the majority of people occupying seats in government right now who have privileged dispensing power do adopt that woke ideology so that they're loudly proclaiming wokeness, not just to virtue signal to the people, not just to change the culture, but to make sure they got Uncle Sam on their side. I think that's part of it. But I think a lot of the wokeness is really to appease these interest groups and not get these angry protesters. And I think that the free market, again, is to the extent that we still have a free market, of course, is our protection against that. You'll notice the disaster that Bud Light had. Uh, I'm not taking a stand about transgender uh, actors being used in television commercials. I'm looking at it purely from the marketing standpoint of Anheuser-Busch. You know, they come out and they say, well, look, you know, young men are our major customers. And then they have a transgender spokesperson and it costs them zillions of dollars. Billions. 
Over a billion dollars. Over a billion. Boy, our head's going to roll at Anheuser-Busch over that one. And so there is a natural protection in the free market against this kind of woke nonsense. Their fear of these protesters, these their fear of being attacked by woke lefties, I think is even more important than, in, for example, in the Bud Light case, it would be hard to say that it was fear of government that got them to do that. On the other hand, there is a natural corrective for that in the free market. If, it, if you're getting into politics, you're going to be offending someone or other. And to the extent that you do, you're going to be costing yourself customers if you don't do it right. It sure, Bush has a right to take a political stand or a social stand, but they also have no right to avoid the consequences uh, commercially. I'd like to know if if Anheuser-Busch takes uh, any subsidies from the government and if they were hoping that this would somehow grease the skids for them, because talk about not reading the room when yeah. they brought poor Dylan Mulvaney in. Yeah. I actually feel bad for Dylan because Dylan has been beat up right. by Matt Walsh uh, mercilessly. Mercilessly, unfairly made, by many conservatives. And yeah. he's made fun of by the, by the right in a merciless way. And I think it's, I think it's terrible. It doesn't advance their cause terrible. at all. Even no. to the that they do have a, a, a foot on, on the right side of the of of these kinds of identifications. But so certain- neither side understands the complexity of that issue, and they're just sort of using it, you know, uh, uh, to appease some interest group or another. But for yeah. most most corporations, that's not a good move to enter into a controversial issue. Of course, they have a right to. In a free and market, I'm, I'm hearing now. I could be hearing this from the right wing press, but I'm hearing Disney World is feeling the pinch as well. Like in the What's summer, saying now, go woke, go broke. Yeah, so I mean, I'm hearing Disney World is like literally empty in on uh, on a, on summer days, and that is uh, unprecedented. Now, who are the customers for Disney? Again, if you think Disney is, you know, with their going woke is a smart thing. We don't need Governor DeSantis to single out Disney, Disney World in Florida. The consumers of Disney products are the ones who should decide this thing and whether they agree with Disney. And I suspect Disney will uh, get the message that way. Um, But understand the free market is part of a self-governing free society. Every, you know, Mises, uh, the great economist Ludwig von Mises used to say, it's, the analogy is weird because Democrats certainly do view uh, no distinction between economic and political power. But if we, if we take that for a minute and seriously, as Mises did for a moment, he makes the point, every dollar is a vote. Every mm-hmm. dollar you spend is a vote in favor of a product and against all the other options you could have spent that dollar on. And in effect, if we don't let people spend money the way they want to, we are, in fact, impeding real social. And I hear I'm going to a little bit be on the side of the left, impeding real social progress if we don't allow that. On the other hand, we're imposing your uh, bizarre philosophical fantasies uh, on people if we don't have it either. So what people need to do is have the freedom to spend the money, whether it's in politics or on a product, there as they see fit. Um, that is really what what being in a free society means. Indeed, unfortunately, the concrete bound left sees uh, their actual vote uh, instead of their dollar vote as more significant. I have uh, just an, uh, one more super chat before we uh, before we get going, uh, James, because I have a pretty tight schedule today. Bonnie. Uh, 
YAT member can't super chat, but just wanted to say that there is an abundance of choice today at 1 p.m. Eastern, and this thoughtful TDO has the greatest value for me. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, That's awesome. I mean, James, I feel like we could talk about this forever. I definitely think I think our perspective should be in the mainstream, and it isn't. Uh, Hopefully one day it will be, um, and when it does, we'll start to actually see change. I have a couple of announcements to make before we we sign off. Uh, Next week, starting on Monday, ARC UK is launching a daily version of the Thursday Collective. So if you thought the the Thursday Collective was an awesome deal, now you're going to get it five times a week instead of just one. Uh, So five times more fun, folks. From Monday to Friday, 6 p.m. UK time, the daily objective will adjust and start half an hour earlier at 5.30 p.m. UK time, okay? Uh, I I put that out there without really comprehending what I was reading, but I hope you guys got it. Um, And I'm looking forward to this uh, daily collective thing, man. I want to get in there and mix it up with as many people as possible, as often as possible. James, as usual, it's been very enlightening talking to you. Um, I hope some of your wisdom got through to the world out there. It's benighted. It needs to be um, turned around. And uh, I hope to see you uh, very soon. Are you going to be on the daily? Uh, are you going to be on the Thursday Collective tomorrow? Tomorrow, I think we're together again for the Daily Collective. And later today, I, I would urge people to check out uh, Lee, uh, Dr. Lee Pearson, uh, Cutting Edge. We've got some great stuff coming this week too. But next week, yeah, what exciting changes are coming! Uh, I think you and I are going to be involved in a bunch of those. So uh, be well, my brother. Yes, you too. And folks out there who are watching us, please tell a friend, please subscribe, please tell your friends to subscribe. This is the antidote to the insanity that you see out there. And in the meantime, always remember to check your premises. Peace.